Well, welcome to the Marty Minto Show podcast. I'm your host, Marty Minto, the informative voice for Christianity all across America. Music provided to the Marty Minto Show by Apologetics, that Christian parody band. Check them out online, apologetics.com. Let's get a little listen to a song they call Good News. Ah, yeah, they do such a good job. Apologetics, that Christian parody band. And again, taking music that is very familiar to most of us. And uh, they, you know, all kind of different genres of music, but they put the lyrics that have a message and uh, bring the gospel and teach people about the Bible, etc. And uh, we're just delighted. And it's a privilege to have them aboard here on the Marty Mento Show podcast. Well, it's time uh, again for us to dive into God's Word and to continue in the series I've entitled How to Study and Understand God's Word. Now, I realize for many of you, you're probably wondering, how long is this series going to go on? But I could tell you right now, I'm already getting responses from people who have been listening to the podcast, and they want more. Uh, They want to learn more. Uh, Many of them have been uh, truly testifying to the reality of the false teachers that they themselves are experiencing left and right, and and friends and family and loved ones that they care about uh, who are following after some of these false teachers. And um, it's one of those topics where a lot of people just don't like to go there, and the reason is is because, um, you know— it seems like you're judging. I talked about that yesterday or the other time in the last podcast, and again, not understanding what that passage means in Matthew chapter 7, and uh, there is a righteous judgment. Um, and when it comes to what we are looking at, we are looking at doctrine. We are testing the spirits. We are testing the teaching of individuals. Does it line up with the Word of God? And that's why here on the Marty Minto Show podcast, three things are our priorities. Uh, again, number one, to learn the Word of God together. Number two, uh, learning the Word so that we can teach other people. We want to bring a good, wholesome, sound, biblical doctrine to people. We want to help them. And number three, we want to be able to defend the truth because there's many lies, and it's going to go from bad to worse as we get closer to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be able to defend the faith. We need to be able to take a stand and make it clear to people. We need to correct and sometimes rebuke them if necessary. But uh, we need to stand upon the Word of God. That's the only foundation in which we have, uh, the foundation that uh, we stand and we stand secure because it's not our Word, it's God's Word. 
And that is what is so important to us. And so we're going to continue here in this study, in this series, Learning Together. And, um, you know, some people have asked me this question, and I think it's a legitimate question. You know, the series is called How to Study and Understand God's Word. And if you already talked about it, Marty, that there are tools, there are things that we could use in order to study God's Word. And, and someone just said to me recently, I'm looking forward to finding out what those tools may be. But I also want to find out why why don't people understand God's Word? I mean, is it something where it's, um, you know, it's only for the few, the chosen? I mean, is it something that that, you know, we can't grasp on our own, that we need somebody else? I mean, I mean, what is the issue that is really at hand? And all of these questions, I'm going to be honest with you, are great questions. And uh, I, I, first of all, want to share with you some of the tools. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit more time right away and talk about those tools. But before I do so, i got to answer the question, why don't people understand God's Word? I mean, why don't they? Uh, you know, quite often we will hear, you know, the God's Word is a mystery. And it's a mystery only for the select few that God has chosen in order to tell other people. Uh, is that really true? M- matter of fact, in one of the podcasts we're going to talk about that, uh, that's what we would call spiritualizing the Bible or spiritualizing text, uh, kind of creating something that goes far beyond in which some would say that God has showed me this. God has made it clear to me in the sense that it's it, it's kind of like in this mystical realm that the only people that can know are these, these select few, and, and quite often false teachers do that. Uh, they will make, you know, like they're up here high up on the ladder and you're down there, and without them you cannot make sense, you could not find your way uh, through this maze of, of doctrine, you need them. You need them because God, in his supernatural way, has revealed things to them. I mean, there's all kind of things out there today that just really just kind of cry out, false teacher, false teacher. I mean, this, that this is not of God. But biblically speaking, there is uh, a foundation to understand why people don't understand God's Word. First of all, first and foremost, and I think it's it's of the most important thing for us to understand, that people who are not regenerated, they're not born again, they're not saved, they're in their natural state, they do not understand the Word of God because they have not been born from above, they don't have the Spirit of God within them. So they're not going to understand. Uh, matter of fact, let me give you some biblical references to help you here for just a moment. First of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, listen to what it says. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. Now, um, The natural man is the unspiritual man. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit of God within him. And the Word of God, the reason why he doesn't understand is because the Word of God is spiritually appraised or spiritually examined. We have the Holy Spirit within us who teaches us, who guides us and directs us into the truth. And without the Spirit, you can't understand. Just as Paul told those at Corinth, it's foolishness to people. 
there has there's no meaning to it. Um, it doesn't it has doesn't have a rhyme or a reason. And let me, if I can, give you some examples that I think will help you out here. Uh, in the book in the Gospel of John, John chapter three, uh, you know, is Jesus is in his encounter with Nicodemus. But in John chapter three, let me read for, for you, if I may, please, in verse ten. Jesus answered and said to him, meaning Nicodemus, "Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things?" Now, um, he goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, let me stop there. The truth of the matter is what he's trying to portray here is that at this point in time, Nicodemus is not born from above. He's not regenerated. He's not saved. He doesn't understand, yet he's a teacher within Israel of the Jewish people. He's teaching the Word of God to people, but yet he himself doesn't understand it. And I think that's something that we really have to look at very carefully. Now, we can have an intellectual understanding. I go back to the days in which I was raised in the church, a youngster, and, you know, church was just a part of my life. And I heard the Bible stories. I read the Bible stories. I studied the Bible stories with our Sunday school teacher, youth group leaders, to learn things and principles, etc. I had a lot of knowledge about the people, the places, the things that were happening in the Bible. I had an intellectual understanding, but I did not know Christ. I did not really have that understanding, spiritually speaking, of what it was all about. Um, And to me, I mean, there was a time in high school, I can't deny it, that I began to wonder if all of this was just, you know, come on. There's people being religious. You know, this is where I'm raised, born and raised, western Pennsylvania. People were just being religious. That's a thing that we do. But, you know, there would be time after time I would listen to the preacher. I mean, I can't even think about how many sermons I heard as a youngster. And most of it, uh, as it came in, it went out the other ear. I mean, the truth of the matter is there was no understanding there. It was foolishness. That's why at times, even in church, you know, I was busy fiddling, writing notes or doing something else because it it had no meaning to me. And that is true even with people that are adults. Quite often go, I, I laugh about this, and, you know, some may say, well, maybe you're a boring preacher. Uh, but it's, it's amazing to me that you go to church, and if you would watch people, uh, during the message, you'll find people falling asleep. You find people uh, reading their phones. Uh, there are people I've seen reading magazines. I remember one time I was a guest speaker at the church, and the pastor warned me that when you start preaching, my wife is going to start crocheting. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. You're going to start crocheting when the Word of God is being preached? Well, that's—but anyways, and I'm not here to question her salvation, but there's times that you realize that people, it's not connecting. They're not getting it. And they're going through the motions, the routine. They're trying to get their ticket punched. They went to church on Sunday. They did the good thing, the right thing in the eyes of God. But again, 
one of the reasons why people don't understand God's Word is perhaps they're just not saved. They're not a child of the living God. The second reason I find is that maybe they're immature in their faith. They haven't come to a point and place where they recognize, um, you know, and understand things the way that someone who is mature in the faith would. Now, I would have to say this happened in my life. I mean, as I grew, I began to gain a greater understanding of what is uh, happening. And once again, I had the Holy Spirit within me. I have him. You know, I... He is truly the one who teaches us. Uh, In theology, they talk about illumination. Uh, The Holy Spirit illuminates. He brings us understanding. And as we study God's Word, as we grow and mature, we have a greater understanding of the things of God. But like, for instance, here's another example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 And Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. Get the babes part? They're babies. They're not where they need to be. And here's what Paul says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able Now, stop right there for a minute. They're not where they need to be spiritually. And there are people that are immature in their faith. Unfortunately, but true, it has been my experience that there are many people out there who, for whatever reason, and again, the blame can only be upon themselves, they they stay in this state as a babe. They never move on. They never go on to to the meat. They're always on the milk. Um, and I try to use this illustration with a real baby, a physical baby. A baby longs for milk. It's mother's milk. It needs its milk. But eventually the baby has to be weaned off of milk. And the reason why, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to be a doctor here. I, this is the things I've learned along the way. If you don't begin to give a baby solid food, and begin to help. The baby's not going to grow physically. It's not going to. It's not going to be healthy. But one of the things that do happen uh, to children who are uh, on the milk longer than they should be, they also have a tendency to get a milk belly. Now that term I heard once, and a gentleman tried to explain it to me, a doctor, and he just said that once again the nutrients that a child needs to grow, and if you're just giving it milk, you have a tendency to create a milk belly which really will bring sickness to the child. It, it stunts their growth. It doesn't help them to, 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 to move on and mature physically. And they get this milk belly, which is almost like a souring in their belly, and it's not a good thing. Yet that's what they want is milk. That's all they want. They constantly want milk. Now, again, I'm not a doctor, and maybe there's more to this, and I, I don't want to try to pretend I'm an expert in this area, but it does make sense. I mean, we are to go from the milk to the meat. That's what Paul is saying here to those at Corinth. There, there comes a time in your life that you got to grow up. You, you got to press on. You got to move on. You can't be a baby. You 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 got to mature, and that is what was not happening. I'll give you another example. The writer in the book of Hebrews. Now, again, um, we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. 
But in Hebrews chapter 5, listen to this in verses 12 through 14. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, uh, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice—now listen to this, this is the key—because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That practice it really is growing in the Word of God, which I am going to say to you, all of you out there who listen to this podcast, that is of the utmost importance. That is something that is missing today, and we need to get back to that point in place where people are truly growing, spiritually speaking. Um, I do know this much. Peter wrote to the believers who were scattered um, at, uh, all over this particular region. He writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, he says here in verse 17 and 18, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard, lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men, you fall from your own steadfastness. So, so he's warning them about false teachers, just as we've been constantly talking about in this series. There's false teachers out there. And if we're not careful, we're not steadfast, if, if we're not diligent in our own spiritual life, we can find ourselves falling prey or being carried away by the error of unprincipled men. Now listen to what he says in closing. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We are to grow in the grace. Grace is experiential. It's we experience God in our lives, his presence, his power, um, his comfort, his joy. But we're to grow in the knowledge. In other words, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to move forward, move ahead. And if we don't, we can find ourselves being carried away. So we have, you know, why don't individuals understand God's Word? First of all, again, they're not saved, not regenerated. Number two, they're immature in the faith. Let's go to number three. Um, there's no sound or solid Bible teaching slash discipleship. I've asked people this question over the years, and I have finally come to realize that most people that I meet, and I've talked about this before, when I asked them, hey, listen, when you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you put your faith in Him, did anybody come alongside you and, and disciple you? Well, here's what's amazing. Most people, and I, I mean the majority, I'm going to go 98% and above. I'll give a little bit, but not much. Tell me no. Marty, what are you talking about? I had a man not too long ago who, as his, you know, Christ saved him. Maybe it's been less than a year. And I asked him about discipleship, and he actually said to me, what does that mean? Discipleship. I don't understand. 
And I, and I was kind of blown away, and I, I had to stop myself from being sarcastic because I, I was I would just I was numb. I was dumbfounded. Most Christians have never been discipled. That's just the truth. Matter of fact, when the Bible says that we are to go and make disciples, many people believe that's just going out and sharing the gospel. Hey, listen, if they accept, if they reject, that's it. We've done our part. No, discipleship is far more than that. Because when you have a baby, think about this, when the baby comes out of the womb, and for those of you who've had children, does your wife and yourself, or do you say to that baby, you're on your own? <laughs> I hope, I hope, you know, I hope everything comes out okay and goes well for you and you're going to be fine. And, you know, you know, uh, we'll see you later on. I mean, do you, he has to get his own milk or her own milk. Uh, the, you know, they have to grow. I mean, think about this. That's, that's craziness. What do we do? We take the baby and we help the baby. We nurse the baby. We feed the baby. We care for the baby. We protect the baby. We are there in this process until the point in place where the baby is no longer a baby but becomes a mature adult, at least, you know, we hope at that point, and then they're on their own. Think about it. But discipleship is just like that. And to the point where someone comes where they themselves are able to make other disciples. And that's something, and I'm not going to get into this whole thing right now, but but this is something that's not happening today. Then you have the issue of good, solid, sound Bible teaching, whether it be in Sunday school, youth group, whether it be in a church service. i got to be honest with you, much that I hear out there today is nothing more than gobbledygook. It's, it's, it's cookies and cream at best. And I'll tell you truthfully, it's not equipping the saints of God. And I know some people, I've heard people say this. I remember a while back, somebody had said something in regards to my days in radio. And they told me in my days in radio, I used to make them very angry to the point where they stopped listening to me because they felt that all that I ever did was condemn. And the truth of the matter is, that wasn't my point. That wasn't my purpose. But I got to be honest with you, there's much out there today that needs to be condemned. I usually, and I'm being honest with you, I could tell in most cases when I visit a church within the first five minutes, when the church service starts, what it's going to be like. But I could tell you right now, once we hit the message, I will know in the first few minutes whether or not this is something that's going to be good or once again, we're we're at you know we're on that ride at the fair, you know we're 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 skipping down the yellow brick road with Dorothy and Toto in some you know Christian made up mystical world. I mean, honestly, something that really has no depth, no meaning, no real purpose, other than making the people who are listening or the people who are supposedly worshiping feel good about themselves. That's what it's about. It's not equipping the saints. It's not preparing them to go out into their mission field. It's not helping them uh, to become all that God wants them to be, and that is to be like Christ. Now, again, if that sounds judgmental, I guess I'm guilty. But I believe that when you come to the church, you are to be equipped 
that the elders, the teachers, they are to equip you. They are to continually point you to Christ. Your life should be that of pure devotion to Christ. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the church. It's not about the music. It's not about the activities. It's not about all that stuff that has become um, the priorities today. Then you realize that some of these guys up there, when they open their mouths, they're great orators. That's all they are. I'm convinced, and I have experienced it firsthand, when you confront them or ask them questions, you're going to see the reality they don't know what they're talking about. There's others who like to steal other people's messages and sermons and teachings, or they read from books. I remember one pastor that I was a part of a church once, and he was a senior pastor. He would sit down all the time. And before his message, he, he would go verse by verse, or he'd be do a series in a book of the Bible, but he would always sit and read the commentaries of Dr. John MacArthur. Now, some people can read, and they have what some would call a photogenic mind. They, they can remember things, and this quote-unquote pastor would do that. He would do it for a, a, a couple days before the weekend. He would start on Thursday, usually, and he would start reading the commentary of the area in which he was going to preach on. He would read John MacArthur's commentary, and basically what he would do is he would change the words. He would change some of the scenarios if there was anything in there as far as any examples or anything. And how I know he did it is because he never went to the pulpit with notes. He never had an outline. He just took what he got from MacArthur. Not MacArthur. John MacArthur is a great Bible teacher. Don't get me wrong. But my point is this man did not know um, much about anything as far as I was concerned when it comes to sound doctrine. He, he would give for somebody else, which is bad. It's not good. But there are things like this. Then you have the preachers out there that are spiritualizing passages. Uh, again, I've talked about this already, but they they go into this mystical place. God's told them this. God showed them that. It's a mystery that you don't have. They have because they're the preacher. They're the elder, the teacher. They got something you don't got. I, I mean, I could go on and on. Or you get to the people who are butchers, and they literally butch the Word of God. They make it say what they want it to say. They twist it. They add to it. They take away from it. I, I mean, I could go on and on with this, and the problem is we have men after men who are not preaching the Word. They're great storytellers, some of them great comedians. Actually, they should go to the Laugh Club or something, you know. Uh, you know, they, they, they should be on TV trying to, you know, you know, try out for one of those um, star search type of deals. And, you know, they, they're great storytellers. They all got a bunch of stories. But when it comes to preaching the Word of God, when it comes to exegesis, when it comes to bringing out and, and bringing the text— and, and sharing the truth of God's Word, they don't do it. I mean, there's so many other things I could say about this. And again, do I have a chip on my shoulder? Yeah, yeah, I do, because I really believe that they are going to be held to a stricter judgment. They are going to find out the reality. And many of them, the reason they don't, and I've asked some pastors, I, I've honestly asked, why don't you do it? It takes time. It's hard work. I, I'm busy. I'm a preacher. <laughs> I tell him, hey, listen, your priority should be the word and prayer. That's what it should be, Acts chapter 6. 
Your priority should be the Word of God and prayer. Nothing else. And I've heard this, but but again, I want to share just a couple passages that will help you here. Ephesians chapter 4, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4, starting verse 11 through 15. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So right there, the reason why God has placed these individuals within the structure of the church is for the equipping of the saints or the true believers. They need to be equipped for what? For the work of service, the work of ministry, to do God's work in the world in which we live. Also, for the building up of the body of Christ, we need to be built up. We need to be strengthened. We need to grow and mature. It says here, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. In other words, we're of one mind. Why? Because there's one faith. There's one God. There's one gospel. When it comes to doctrine, we talk about the doctrines uh, that, that are of great necessity, that which we must agree upon and we must believe because they come from God. There should be unity. And it says here, uh, until uh, we attain to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. See, that is our goal. The goal is to become like Christ. Then it goes on, it says here, as a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. So once again, we got to move on. we got to grow. We can't be carried around like a child in every wind and wave of doctrine that comes about. We have to mature and become like Jesus Christ. But there are so many churches out there that there is a lack of sound, solid Bible teaching. Um, we could go to Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 26, uh, another passage here. I'm, I'm just going to read it to you here, but in Acts chapter 18, 24 and 26, listen to these words here, very important. Again, as we, we study together and we realize what we need to be, sometimes that it's just not sound and solid Bible teaching. Here's what it says. It says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the Scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the Spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. There's the key. He was mighty in the Scriptures, but his learning only went and brought him to a certain place of understanding, and that was the baptism of John. But look what happens. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogues. Uh, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside, and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. So it wasn't that he was teaching in error. Um, he needed further sound, solid Bible teaching. See, folks, this is one of the reasons why when you hear today of people saying, you know, I, I, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be a part of the church. Uh, um, you know, I'm okay. I can just sit here at home and do my own study. I don't need others. Truly, you're not following God's plan for the church, the body of Christ. We are many members but one body. We can't say to one another, we don't need you. 
nor uh, we are told in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, that we should not forsake the assembly if some are in the habit of doing so. We need each other, but we need to be a part of a good, solid, strong, Bible-teaching, preaching church. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking to hooping and hollering and pounding and shouting and screaming, hallelujah, you know, doing their stuff and all this, jumping over a pews, running down the aisle, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I'm talking about good, strong, solid, biblical teaching. See, Jesus was Rabboni, Rabboni, excuse me. He was a teacher. He taught people. We need to understand the importance of that. We need to understand in proclaiming God's Word. When we're with the saints, and that's what it's about when we come on Sunday mornings, it's about the equipping of the saints. We should be teaching the men and women of God, teaching the children of God. We should be teaching them and instructing them and helping them so they can do the work of service, the ministry of God, so they can go forward and truly be the light in the midst of darkness. I cannot say enough about that. Last but not least, uh, I'll throw this out to you. Uh, I shouldn't say last but not least, but we'll have to hit the next podcast to do this. But um, you have those, why don't they understand? It's because they're not truly studying God's Word. Simple. Uh, You can look in Matthew chapter 10. Those who abide or remain in my word, truly they're my disciples, and they will know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Matthew 10. Uh, We have um, in John chapter 8, excuse me, that was John chapter 8. We have in Matthew 10 the fact of being a disciple, being a follower of Christ, becoming like our master. That is of the utmost importance. In the book of John, it was John 8, 31 through 32. Uh, about the truth and and abiding in his word. Uh, Again, Matthew 10 is about being a disciple and being a pupil, a student, a learner. You have 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, These passages just show us that the onus is upon us. It's our responsibility uh, to study. It's our responsibility to be in the Word of God. Um, And and I will say this carefully, and hopefully all of you out there who are listening, you will understand. There's nothing wrong with reading the Word of God. But, But I really believe down deep inside that you understand that reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God, as I've mentioned before, is really two different things. And some people just don't get that. And that is one of the things I I think that really kind of hurts many people, because they're not studying the Word of God, they're just reading it. They're sitting down in the morning, and they're, they're doing a quick read, maybe, and maybe it's not so quick. I want to be careful, I don't want to be judgmental, but I think that some people just want to get through it, you know, and they'll say, well, listen, I did my devotions for the day. Uh, I want to be careful with this, but I will say this boldly. I, I don't believe that doing devotions is studying God's Word. Um, I, I really believe it takes more than devotional time. There is a difference between reading and studying, and God's Word says we are to study. We are to study. I believe that reading is the beginning of true study. However, it can also be that superficial, no depth, 
we're not gaining anything out of it other than maybe feeling good for a moment or and just maybe some little light that shines for just a moment and and I'm not I'm not downplaying that but we we never dig in um it, it's kind of like going through fast food <laughs> you experience fast food is fast food but when you want to eat because you're hungry you want to go have dinner you go to a restaurant to sit down. You get your knife and your fork and your spoon, and you have a full-course meal. You want to be fed, and you don't expect fast food. My concern is that many Christians, they're, all they're used to, unfortunately, but true, is fast food. Not only that's what they're used to, that's all they want. And see, what's happening even in the churches, the visible churches, the churches are doing the same thing. They're giving people fast food, spiritually speaking. They're never taking them to where they need to take them. That's why I think, you know, the decline of Sunday school, I've heard people say this for years. Well, you know what? Sunday school is kind of a dinosaur. It's an old thing. It's dying out. We don't need it today. Now today we hear like the the words, you know, like uh, we have small groups, which small groups in Sunday school classes, if you if you put them in, up on a wall and you try to write things out, they're pretty close. They're pretty much the same other than we go to people's houses, you know, and sometimes in certain churches, small groups are done right there at the church building, but they have so much in common, it's unbelievable. But here's the key. In those, the years I grew up in Sunday school, Sunday school was the time of great in-depth teaching. It wasn't fast food. We learned. There was a purpose, a plan. We had direction and guidance. And it was exciting. Um, and there were things about it. Again, the community, we, we had those in the class. We enjoyed seeing each other. We did things even outside of the church building in Sunday school. I mean, I could go on and on. But it was a time I remember as a child growing up, it was a time of learning. And see, that to me is what studying is all about. Because remember, if we are to rightly divide the Word of God, if there's a right way, there's also a what? A wrong way. And dividing means, once again, to cut it straight, accurately handling. We need to accurately handle the Word of God. Um, and, and again, we don't want to come to that place of, you know, this is what it means to me. That's not a valid biblical interpretation. We need to take the tools and the resources and the things that we have, and we need to gain an understanding of what God said and why he said it and who it was for. We need to answer the three who's as we talked about before. We need to come to that point of exegeting the text. Exegesis means drawing the meaning out of the text. Ex means out of. The meaning is determined by the author, and the author is God. So our goal, once again, must be an exegesis, is to draw out the meaning of the text. Um, this, I think, is done today, too, by men of God who are called by God in expository preaching. Um, you know, they are going verse by verse. I'm not saying that that's how you have to do it all the time, but they're bringing the meaning out of the text. Um, you know, in I could talk so much about this. There there are so many things, but the truth of the matter is this is really the only proper way to interpret any passage or text of the Bible. 
Most people, though, once again, getting back to the reading and their studying, sometimes uh, they end up doing eisegesis, which is E-I-S means into. They're superimposing the meaning into the text. We read our own meaning into the text. Instead of superimposing a meaning on the biblical text, what we must do is really to discover uh, objectively the objective truth. We need to know what God intended when he gave us, he gave the prophet his word. Um, and, and again, that's the only true meaning. Um, the passage is it's actually fixed by the author himself, which is truth. And and, and again, we got to be careful that we don't some type you know, somehow alterate you know the passage, obliviate it, twist it, add to it, take away from it. Um, butcher it, whatever the case may be. And I've mentioned this before. Some people in in just reading, and I think in not studying God's Word and using those principles that we should be using, they spiritualize texts. We bring a, a spiritual interpretation that really exceeds the intended meaning. Uh, it's kind of like implying that God has orchestrated it, and it's it's supernatural. And there are people that do, I hear that quite often. Well, I finally realized because God made it clear to me that this is what. And again, if you would look at the text, look at verses, look at things, people are spiritualizing. They're almost turning it into a mystical type of thing. But once again, it's them doing that. And I think the reason is, is because it is no longer uh, truly one who is studying God's word but one who is just reading it. And just, there it is, so this is what I think it means. This is, you know, I, I look at this, this is how I see it. This is how I want it to, to really come about. And, and then truthfully, that's wrong. We need to learn to discern what is truth through personal, in-depth Bible study. I, I mean, true biblical discernment is knowing in recognizing biblical truth from error. And I have already mentioned this, and we're almost here. I'm going to cut this podcast out in just a few moments, but i got to be honest with you, that's where the problem lies because there's so many false teachers out there that are just sprinkling your meal with a little bit of truth. They're quoting a verse but the verse is taken out of its context. Remember, context is everything. They are superimposing. They're spiritualizing. They're not exegeting. They're not drawing out, this is what God meant. They'll, they'll, they'll say this is what God meant, but if you would follow the, the principles, hermeneutical principles and practices, and, and realize that words have meaning, you look at the who's, the who, what, when, where, and why. You look at the three who's that God originated with God, the author, and who it was written to. I mean, you look at the culture, the geography, the literal, the grammatical, all those things that we've been talking about. You begin to realize that can't be it. But some people just don't get it. They don't understand. And again, when we think about understanding, the understanding is illumination. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the ability to comprehend spiritual truths. That's why we got to read before, 
We got to read after. We got to read the whole story. We can't just, you know, take it right for what we want it to be. And again, I, I, I'm hoping this is helpful to all of you out there who are listening to this podcast. Um, and I cannot stress again, context of a passage is everything. If you miss the proper context, you miss the meaning of the passage. And again, context is the part of a text that surrounds a particular word or passage, and it determines its meaning. It could be the facts and the circumstances. It, it forms a setting, historically, geographically, etc. But what we have is there's a lot of people, once again, when it comes to studying God's Word, a lot of people get lazy. They get careless in handling the Scriptures. And that's where we get error in biblical interpretation. That's why we have to understand that the Bible, you know, that's filled with letters and stories and poems and proverbs and prophecies and instructions, but words have meaning. But we got to look at the context and we got to see what's happening. We got to we got to get all the players and the places. Everything has to be in order. And it can't be just something that makes you feel good. Matter of fact, I, I've learned this. The more and more I study God's Word, I realize the more and more I need to study. And I'll tell you this, not to brag, but years ago I went on a journey, and that journey was to get my doctorate in theology. And the reason why I went on that journey, and I, and I accomplished it, I have my doctorate of theology, because I want to know God's Word. I want to be able to teach other people and help other people grow. I want to be able to stand up and stand firm and strong against the errors, against those who claim things to be true that are not. But I did it for myself because I truly believe down deep inside, as, again, the King James translation, studied to show thyself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That, that verse just stuck with me ever since I was a child, even though I wasn't saved back then. But when he saved me, it became, it became my anthem. It became that verse, that cry, that call, it's my responsibility to know what I believe and why I believe it. Nobody else's. And I, I want to help people. I, I believe that God has called me. I believe he's equipped me. But I also realize that every day it's, it's a challenge. And I need to study, and I'm still studying. Even though I have this certificate up on the wall, I'm not done learning. I'm never going to be done learning. And there's things I've learned that I haven't learned in the past. There's things that I have found and, and, and I've witnessed in, in passages that somehow in years gone by, maybe teaching, preaching, or whatever those particular passages, I finally realized, wow, I didn't see that then. I guess the bottom line is we're lifelong learners. It's up to us because someday we're going to give an account to God. And, and I'll close with this. We're to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To study God's Word is to know God. And I don't know about you, but I love God with everything. I love my Lord and Savior, Master King Jesus Christ. He's my everything. I can't get enough. And that's truly, I believe, what 
the body of Christ must be about. Because in these last days, they're perilous times, dangerous times. And the greatest dangers we're going to face is going to come from within the visible church. Hey, folks, it's been great talking with you again here on the Marty Minto Show podcast. And I can tell you right now, I am just blessed to be uh, with you each and every time that I am. And again, till next time, may God bless you and your family. Thanks for listening to the Marty Minto Show podcast.